So it's always, it, it just does something for your soul to come in after a challenging day, couple days, and just have the Spirit of God remind us that he's doing miracles in us and among us every single day. From, you know, now I don't have a house in Puerto Vallarta. I do have one I can visit. Uh, but, you know, everything from first jobs. Uh, and it, it is such a big deal. I appreciate in particular Mark shouting out Destiny, who he had just had a conversation with. But what a big deal to start your first job and do different things like that and uh, getting promotions, uh, doing different things career-wise, seeing uh, Clay becoming a disciple. Derek still just fascinated by seeing, watching his son just grow as a man of God. I mean, that's just, there's nothing better. And I also appreciate everybody sharing, appreciate Clara shouting out as one of our heroic single uh, parents, shouting out another one. And uh, just that idea of looking out for each other and seeing the best in each other and lifting up each other's arms. And uh, that's what we need to be about as a spiritual family. We're gonna talk a little bit later. We're, we're in the last uh, segment, by the way, uh, of organic resolve to resolve uh, because we're trying to pre uh, maintain and preserve the health of our church. And we can do a lot of other things, but if we don't master the art of Jesus-like conflict resolution, sooner or later, the enemy's gonna take us down. So we're gonna do that. We were scheduled to do the next stage in the masculine journey, which is the lover stage. That's gonna come either next week or the week. I think it's gonna come next week. David's gonna do that. I think it's gonna be men and women together. Uh, that's a great series doing the Father by God book. Uh, but we're gonna do tonight the resolved uh, to resolve. But I just wanna just remind us, Find some, I mean, catch somebody doing something right and anybody you can celebrate. It might even be a good habit just to, you know, every midweek, every Sunday, who, what, where's, who is someone you can notice just to say, hey, I noticed the way you did that. Or I noticed the way you've been persevering on your job. Or I noticed the way you've been waking up early and having your quiet time or, or whatever it is. Just catch somebody doing something right and lift them up and, uh, you know, uh, communicate God's love that way. Um, we have a, uh, someone that we love very much that has, uh, gone through, has been looking at and facing a big transition in his life. And uh, some of us know what that transition entails, but we want to uh, take this moment right now to uh, bring him up so he can share a little bit about this next chapter in his journey. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, his name is Seth Jensen. So you are, sir. Yes. <laughs> Can I sit? Is that all right? Um, thanks, Kev. So um, <clears throat> a lot of you guys know about maybe five or six years ago, some of us started going into Hollywood um, and reaching out to people. Um, there was a, uh, the turning point was amazing. The turning point is where I became a disciple. Um, just This is where I found my faith. Um, and when I realized what I had, um, I saw kind of like a, a gap of millennials, right? So Kevin and I got together along with Curtis and we talked about how cool it would be to figure out whatever we could do to fill that gap, right? So we kind of put some stuff together and um, I think there was like maybe like a few millennials at the time. I think at this point it's like a third of the church and that's not because I think of me or because of any one person, it's because of what God has done, right? He just kind of activates certain people and he's like, I'm gonna use you as a, a car to carry these people or you as a bus or whatever, and this is the direction we're going. And so um, I never saw doing ministry past that. 
I just wanted to help um, build the millennial ministry and then, because that's just, you know, what I was really passionate about is seeing young men come to know Jesus. Young women as well, but specifically young men. Um, and f- five, six years later, I'm kind of wrestling with some stuff um, because I feel like God has opened up some other opportunities in my life that I gave up back then. At that point, I was going to school full-time, working full-time. I had been working on um, a bunch of music stuff, some creative stuff, but I told God, in order to build this part of your church, I'm going to completely give that up um, so that we can do this, right? I'll totally, and that was, you know, it was a sacrifice that I needed to make, but the past couple of years, God keeps introducing some stuff back into my life, um, and I've been pushing it away because I feel like the most amazing thing that I could do is serve God's church. Like, what a cool thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, what an amazing opportunity for people to make an impact um, in people's lives and change their eternal trajectory. And, um, but I have been feeling that God is, like, calling me in a different way. Um, and I've been trying to ignore it. About a year ago, we were worshiping, and I felt God say, like, I need to take you away for a little while. Um, and it's not because I'm mad at you or because I'm punishing you, but there's some things that I need to develop in you um, because you are committed to my church. Um, but just as a man, there's some things I need to teach you and grow you in. So didn't really tell anybody about that. Um, tried to ignore it, but it kept coming up. The past few weeks, Kevin, Dave, and I have been talking, and I've just been trying to get as honest as I can. Like, sometimes I wake up and I don't know how I got here, <laughs> you know? Um, but I feel like uh, there's these other things that I want to pursue, but it would be so ungrateful of me to not take advantage of serving and leading God's church. Like, what an entitled, like, brat to, like, give that up, right? To give up on. But Kevin and David have helped me (laughs) see, like, God's not like that at all. Like, God thinks about the long-term trajectory, right? He doesn't think in short-term stuff. Um, And so they've helped me process a lot of stuff. And just with that, I've had to kind of basically just open-handedly ask God, whatever it is that you want me to do is what I'll do. And so there's certain things that have come up with some brothers that are, they're the things that, like, keep me up at night that I get excited about, right? Not that I don't get excited about ministry stuff and doesn't keep me up at night, right? Because I love people, but there are some other things that specifically involve the church that I've been really curious as to if we could build these things, how would that impact the church, right? So um, the great news is, is that I made it six years without getting fired. I feel like that's something to celebrate. I've... I, I know for a fact, like, I've been this close, um, but, uh, <laughs> but as, of, as of last Friday, I decided to resign, um, and it's not, it's, it's, it's not like, I don't feel God saying, like, you're not good enough or you're not supposed to do this, but I, 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 what, I, what I keep coming back to and I'm praying about is, like, I just feel like, I feel like, He's restored a lot of the stuff in me that happened with the church that I grew up in. God has completely undone everything that happened to me when I grew up in the church. Like, he's replaced all those experiences with experiences here in Turning Point. And I feel like God has basically, like, kind of put his arm around me, and he's like, I need to, I need to take you, and I need to show you some things. I, I, I don't want you to 
feel like you have to lead from a place of um, having to always push back against the enemy and fight. And I, I feel like I don't know how not to fight. And when there's someone, when everything is calm, I'll find someone to pick a fight with, like Kevin. And this is dumb. Like I don't, I don't, it's, but it's, it's, it's something in me that God has had to work out. And God has used Kevin to show me grace. And I have, like, I, have I repented? I have, okay, good, I have repented. But, um, but I think with that, on a personal level, God is like, I want to teach you how to live as a man, not from a place of just, like, anger and intensity. Like, I want, it's okay to be at peace. And these things that you're passionate about, be it, like, um, like music stuff, uh, design, art, construction, all these things. I actually made you to do these things. So if you will stop pushing back and closing those doors, I can actually use those to help more people than you might imagine. So um, at, at this point, I, I think my last day was on Sunday. Um, but Aaron and I, were not, we're not going anywhere. Like this is our, this is our home. Like, Turning Point is where we are. Like, we, I mean, I still, like, I want to help young men become disciples. Um, but there's something that God needs to build in me, I believe, so that when I'm in my 50s, when my kids are grown, when we're, that I will be better prepared, right? So, no, God's not firing me. No one's firing me. But God is like, man, I'm, I feel like I'm proud of what you've done. And I, I, I need to spend some time with you. So with that said, thank you for letting me serve. Um, and we're not going anywhere, so we'll still be here. But love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, Seth. I love you, buddy. Happy for you. Happy for you. So uh, it's, uh, we're going to have a time, we have to figure it out, where, where there is a, a, an event just to uh, share appreciation with Seth uh, for all that he's done and all the, you know, it's when you start trying to quantify serving for six years and helping people find their place in God's story and you look at, uh, you know, countless interactions and people, it's really hard to do, but we're going to have a time uh, that we will announce where that will happen as is fitting and as proper. I'm really excited and happy for Seth and for our church and for part of what we have tried to do, albeit imperfectly, in the turning point, which is to try to say what we want most is for every member to follow their heart for, from God and to pursue their path and not to presume that because something is my path, then it's necessarily someone else's path and not to exalt one over the other, but realize the best path is the one that God designed you to be on. Um, <clears throat> and God is progressive in his revelation and you might not know that in, in 2015 and you come to find it out in 2018 as well we're all trying to learn to be open-handed. And what I may want, like I would prefer for no one to ever move from turning point, right? And how's that going? You know, so uh, people, you know, and I'm like, people that, that love us, that get us, that are standing up, doing everything they can to stay and the job market won't cooperate. 
but I've learned to be open-handed. I, I, I would prefer for Jerry and Kelly Guyona to be here in uh, Turning Point doing their thing. But before God, and he knows, I am more happy for Jerry and Kelly to pursue what God put on their heart than I am sad for them not being here. And that's the spirit that I, we all have uh, with Seth. It has been crazy, has been so encouraging. It is so great to see a whole new generation from the youth ministry to Kids Point, the youth ministry, the millennials reaching out to see a whole new generation. In fact, we had a pastor visiting from a, a big mega church in Atlanta a couple Sundays ago, and he said, man, there's so much youth in your church. And that's so encouraging. I remember back in 2010, we're, you know, millennial generation initiative, remember that? And just the idea that we don't want to be one of these donors whole churches with all old people and children, right? And there, there's a bit, we don't want to do that because that means that we are failing that next generation. And so now to see that happen is really cool. Uh, Seth did talk about how, uh, you know how, like if you've dealt with difficult experiences previously in your life and you've had to fight to maintain your uh, sense of self, then you adopt the attitude of a fighter. And even when there's no fight, you're looking for someone to fight, you know, uh, unbeknownst sometimes. Uh, I know that there have been things that, that from Seth's past that he has been working out. What's cool is he's always been honest. There have been conflicts that we've had, and it's cool to be in a family that can absorb conflicts and not have to splinter or not have to, you know, fall out of like or love and never talk to each other, which some of us, that's our family of origin or our, our background, but to work through things and to actually be closer. And in fact, when we go through conflict in a Christ-like way, we are actually closer post-conflict than before. Uh, and what I'm happy about with Seth is I, I, he, there has been a wrestling and a, a just sort of pulling in different directions in his heart. And I believe that this is the right choice and the best choice. He felt like, man, well, am I being disloyal? Disloyal to whom? Like, what, what has been poured into Seth, he has poured into other people and reciprocated. And any deposit that you make, that, that, that's built and it's in the bank already. Making a different decision doesn't take it away. And in fact, when you serve in the way, in the lane that you're built to serve in, you actually do more for the church, not less. And it's regardless of the career. And what Seth, when, I, when he shared, we got together on Thursday, David and Seth and I said, how do you feel? You feel sad because you've been a part of a team and a family uh, for, for this time and, and also uh, six years in the ministry. And even though there is a great gain, and this is obviously what God wants, any transition like that is a loss. We all know that, right? And so there's that. But also he said he feels at peace. And that's the, main, that's the thing I want more than anything else is for him or any of you or me, any of us, to be at peace, to have, uh, you know, uh, Philippians 4.8, you know, the, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ for all of us to have that. And that's what I want because I know that's how God wants them to live. And then curiosity for what the future holds. So I'm glad they're staying here. They're looking at staying involved in the singles and so forth and so on. If you are single, understand me, look at me, watch me, everybody look up. We love you. 
We're going to continue to uh, take care of you. You will not be neglected. You will not be abandoned. You will not be orphaned. You will not be uh, overlooked. Uh, we got you, okay? We haven't done all this all these years to not take care of you. We, and so if you have any suggestions, please let us know. But we got you, okay? Singles, you hear me? Okay, you hear me? Okay, so guaranteed. I'm guaranteeing that. However, um, I do think it speaks well of the body. Many people have been that serve in our church have been in the full-time ministry, and they're still in the full-time ministry. They just have a different career, right? Because every member is a minister, right? So with that, um, just trying to clarify and love you. Thank you for pouring your heart out to help other people find their place in God's story and for helping make us better. Seth, Jacob Seth Jensen. So thank you. I, okay, and as if the fun, you know, we got so much fun. We have a new uh, member. He, uh, many of us know him already, but we have a two-minute transfer talk, uh, a, a move-in talk that we're going to do. And so we need the other mic. Who has it? Do you have it, Mike? Okay. And uh, Donez, you got to come up. Yeah, you got to be on the mic. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. What's up, man? What's up, How guys? you doing? Doing good. So he was, uh, Danez was working on a production uh, last uh, last uh, midweek, but he couldn't come. And so, all right, so I'm going to ask you these questions. Oh, okay. He says, man, I'm a little, no, nothing big here. This is all good, man. It's yeah. good to see you. Okay. All right, so I need a timer. Who's got the timer? Can I trust you, Lilian? Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, okay. So um, you got the time. Tell me, tell me when to go. What is your name? Donetsky. And what church are you moving here from? The Orlando Church, by the way, by way of the Indianapolis Church. Cool. Uh, when were you baptized? July 17th, 2012. Okay. Who reached out to you and how? It was Mia Prince while I was on a way, my way to a student organization meeting and reached out to me for my first Bible talk. And then the rest is... Six years later. Six years later. Very yeah. cool, man. Um, okay. Who is your favorite Old Testament character and why? I would have to say Paul, and it's just like the overall redemption from just not being a regular guy to start to finish as one of Jesus' most trusted disciples. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Okay, now he's in the New Testament, but we're going to give that to you because okay. you're new. Okay. okay. We're going to give it I'm, to you. I'm a little tired. Thank okay. you. <laughs> All good. You got, you got the right book. All good. No problem. Okay. Uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Okay. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Neither. Okay. <laughs> Neither. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there. You just made Trey mad. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's a favorite scripture? Philippians 4 8. And it's for me just my entire life story just came down to just understanding, not letting anything just stop me from chasing a dream and a passion that I've felt for like. I would say 10 years now. Excellent. That's a great one. Okay. You like the mountains or the beach? The beach. The beach. Yep. Good man. Um, 
<laughs> okay, this is going to be important. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. Okay. Instagram, Insta, or Snapchat? Time. Time? Instagram. Okay, Instagram. last one, really important. Apple or Android? Apple. Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome, Donetsky. <laughs> well done, man. You did it. <laughs> we should get T-shirts. I survived the two-minute transfer talk. Welcome, Donetsk. Okay, so um, we are wrapping up tonight, Organic Resolve to Resolve. And uh, we are, let me, I hope this works. Thank you, Jay, Jarrett. Tonight we're talking about resolving conflict or issues with leaders. Raise your hand if you've ever had a problem with a leader. <laughs> okay. All right. So um, there, there are, there are uh, many who consider it, it, it's kind of a different thing. If I'm dealing with another member it's, and I have to deal with a conflict, I can sort of manage that. But when it comes to the idea of dealing with a leader, that's a bit more complicated. The idea of dealing with someone in authority, it can be a parent, uh, outside in the marketplace, it can be a manager, it can be a boss, it can be a small group leader, it can be uh, any other women's ministry leader, pastor, so forth and so on. And so uh, we're just going to look at a few scriptures, uh, hopefully have uh, time. We might not have time for Q&A, but what I would love to do is get any questions emailed to me about specifics so that uh, I, I'm hoping that nobody leaves here feeling like I don't know what to do when I have a conflict or an issue with a leader. I hope you feel empowered and I hope you feel strengthened to be able to do it. Okay? So this is what we're talking about. Look in Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, we're going to go through this passage. Ephesians was a letter written to the church in Ephesus by whom? By Paul, right? And he was the most prominent uh, missionary in the first century. Uh, it is arguable, people have argued that his writings and teachings and God working through him had more influence on the Western world to this day than anyone save Jesus. And he wrote to this church in the first few, the first half of his letter, he talked about the fact that they had every spiritual blessing in Christ, the famous for you are saved by grace through faith alone and not of works, the fact that we're uh, God's workmanship and so forth and so on. Uh, he, he, uh, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, so forth and so on. So he's sharing in the beginning of the, um, the book, the beginning of the letter, he's sharing all the great blessings we have in Jesus. And then the back half of the letter, starting in chapter 4, he says, now that you are in Christ, how should that impact your practical day-to-day -day, uh, life? And this is what he says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. Well, you know, uh, and obviously Paul was in prison a lot. A life worthy of the calling you've received. Be how humble? Completely humble and gentle. So should I power up? Should I level up? Should I gaslight? Should I turn it up, the knob up to 11? No, he says I should be gentle and patient. He says you need to bear with one another in love. And how much of an effort should I make to keep the unity of the spirit through the brown of peace? Some effort, marginal effort, occasional effort, depending on how I'm feeling effort, right? He says, 
the unity of the Spirit, and right, we've been talking about the importance of the Spirit and how much He lives in us. He's a seal guaranteeing our, our salvation, deposit guaranteeing our salvation. But in the area of keeping the unity of the Spirit, there's nothing more important than being humble and gentle as we deal with each other, and it's especially necessary in the area of conflict. Now, he goes on, uh, shares some other thoughts, and then continuing the conversation, he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, and pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now this is, um, we're going to land the, the plane in just a minute, but here is Paul talking about these different areas of leadership, right? Can anybody name one just from that, those three passages? It, name a, a, a position of leadership. Evangelist, another one, anybody? Pastor, teacher, okay, right. Notice who gave these, uh, and, and actually one translation says gifts to the church or positions of leadership. Who, who, who gave them to us? Who? Right? Everybody say a little bit more. Who? who? Right? It says it right there in blue. So Christ gave, himself, gave these people. So my point is that the starting point is to realize that people serve the church, but they are called by God to serve in those positions. Paul said to the people in Ephesus, listen, Timothy's there, whoever is there, they are given to you by Jesus. It's not like some guys got together in a back room, okay, do you want to do this? Okay, you do this and I'll do that. It has some spiritual or orchestration. It's not arbitrary. And I think we need to look at it in that context. Does that mean that they're better, leaders are better than members, more saved, more, you know, more uh, valued by God? No. It just means in terms of their roles, though, there is a spiritual component to it, and we need to approach it in that way. He talks about the result of this. These guys were given, actually, let me go back. I got to go back. Have you, have you ever had to go back? You go too fast, and you got to go back. Okay, so what, is, what are these guys supposed to do, these leaders? What are they supposed to do? They're, they're to equip who? Who are the people? Us, okay, so the leaders of Turning Point are to equip us for works of service, right? They're to help us, give us the tools and the techniques and the technology necessary to do works of service to build the body up so that we all become what? Mature, right? Isn't that what he says? So that we become true. So what is my job description? It is to help you, to equip you with whatever you need, teaching, training, friendship, mentorship, example, whatever it is, resources, so that you will be able to do works of service and mature. Is my job, or is somebody, some other leader's job, let's say uh, C.C. Bruce, is her job to make sure every person in the church is happy? Are you sure? I mean, but if you are a manager at Target, isn't that your job to make sure that every customer is happy, right? Now, I will tell you my desire and much of my life's effort is trying to help people live their best spiritual life. It really is. But I have found 
that it is just about impossible, no matter what you do or don't do, to see everybody at a 10 spiritually and the happiest they've ever been. That is a bit of a conundrum. Fortunately, that is not the job description. Make sure everyone is happy and nobody ever has any problems. It's, that's not the goal. He says, I want you to prepare people so that they can serve me in a better way. That's the goal. Okay, how do you do that? He says, if we reach maturity, then we'll no longer be uh, immature like children, and we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Now, what Paul is talking about is that there would be people, uh, Jews, Jewish Christians, that would infiltrate his churches and try to undermine the things that he was teaching, right? You've read that in the New Testament. Everybody say yes, like Dave Ramsey said, right? You've read that. Okay. All right. And, and think about that. That was part of, of his job. Does that happen today? Are there people in churches that try to undermine the leadership or followership in 2018? Does that happen? Okay, just, just wanted, want you to know, be aware of that. Okay, he says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Isn't that an interesting turn of a phrase? Now, are these people like outside the church that are doing this? These are people inside the church. And what is their technique for undermining these people that quote unquote imperfect people that Christ gave? He says their technique is they trick people into thinking something they shouldn't think. And how do they do it? with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. One of my mentors, Rick Warren, said that the way people control a church, like the pastor can be overly controlling, the people can be overly controlling, but the way people control the church is by either criticism of the leadership or by gossip. Those are the two main ways members control the church. And he says, one of the things that some people do is they say things that sound clever and make sense. And the goal is to undermine. So whenever you are in a conversation and it feels weird, like mm, that kind of feels, mm, you know, you know, your, your radar is on and something kind of tweaks, like mm, something about that doesn't feel good. You need to pay attention to that. Now, I'm not, I'm not accusing any person of doing that. What I'm saying is that that is a reality in churchdom. It just is. You've heard the weeds in the wheat, right? You got that. And, and uh, that's part of, in addition to all the stuff that we just talked about earlier, right? All the good stuff that's going on in the church, be aware that there, there can be undercurrents like that. That's why Paul says, you know, I mean, the Hebrew writer says, make sure that you deal with everybody's heart and you don't let any bitter root grow up. Okay, so how instead, so, so to be mature and so forth and so on, and to not be blown back and forth by every wind of new teaching, that's an interesting, let's talk about that for a minute. What would that look like? What would it look like for a member of Turning Point to be blown back and forth by a, a wind of new teaching? What, what might that look like? Maybe a, a pastor, uh, uh, Stephen? You, you got to say it loud. I'm saying 
this day and age with so many different denominations and different ideas about church, you know, you can get on the internet, see something, and then, oh my God, we're doing it wrong, or, you know, whatever. So, you know, there's a lot to be, in this day and age, blown back and forth by. Good point. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, we got it. I got it. I love you. Sorry, man, don't be mad at me. In my, in my feelings, <laughs> don't at me. Uh, but but I, there, there are many things, I'm just saying this, these kinds of ways, this is the way the enemy works to undermine the church. What I'm trying to say to you is this stuff is going on right now. Right now, right now in the church. It's going on right now in the church, just so we are aware. But how do we combat this? And I love this, and really this is the bottom line. How do you deal with conflict with leaders? Uh, it's in red. The red letters, instead of being tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, so forth and so on, instead, we will speak the truth in love. And because of that, we'll grow in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church. I am not the head of the church. Jay is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And we all say, thank the Lord, right? Sometimes it's, you can get mixed up. Who was the head of the church? It's not. So understand it's his deal. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about that in a couple of Sundays. All right, so Jesus is the head of the body, his church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And that's my favorite passage. That's my vision. That's, I want to see the, the church. When I think about what I want our church to be, it is each part doing its own special work, as we talked about earlier with Seth. Uh, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. What, is, what do you want for my Monet? It's great. She texts me often on Mondays. What do you want me to pray for? Raise your hand if Monet hits you up with what you want. So thank you, Monet. And I, I, I mean, this is what I want. So for next Monday, this is what I want, right? For every, by every part of our church to be healthy, growing, and full of love. Okay. Here's a passage that, Paul, uh, that, uh, that uh, Solomon wrote, and this is just general wisdom. We're not under the old covenant, we're under the new covenant, but this is practical general wisdom that, that uh, works all the way through. And this is really tantamount to dealing with conflict. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, that's just true, isn't it? It is in the Bible but it's also just true. More than anything else, more than me being worried. Now, here's a good question for your homework. Do I get more worried about other people's hearts or my heart? Which one do I spend the most energy worrying about? What, what Solomon said is above all else, guard your heart. By the way, Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful and beyond cure, right? So here's a tip. If, if my heart is deceitful and I don't even know what's in my heart, I certainly can't know accurately what's in someone else's heart, so I should not prejudge it, right? I should reserve emotional judgment. That's another message for another time. But part of resolving conflict with anyone else is to first check my own heart. It was great. We were in a meeting, Jay Jarrett and, and uh, others were talking about resolving conflict. And I love, this is, this may not be accurate, it's, it's approximately accurate, but he was just sharing, you know what? If we don't have a community 
where each of us takes responsibility for the condition of our own hearts, none of this matters anyway. We can, we can teach about resolving conflict for the next 10 weeks. But if we are not ourselves custodians of our own hearts, it's just a waste of time. Because without that foundation, spirit can't work like he would want to. So am I saying there is no, no time the leader says no? I'm just saying this is where we need to start. Okay, thank you very much for that. I love this question. Jeff Henderson is a, a pastor of North Point Community Church, and he did a uh, message series called Climate Change. And uh, this was a question that he, it's just one of those sticky statements. Uh, and he had everybody in the church ask this question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And then swore them to not react. Like you've got to ask the question and then you can't push back, can't respond, can't power up, can't intimidate, can't go off. You know, like when, when somebody says something you don't like or you don't want to hear that temptation to just, you know, you didn't say it right and you don't look right and, and ignore what they're saying, right? No one that would ever do that boomerang technique in here. Okay, so that question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a, something I would recommend you asking, particularly if you have a hard time dealing with conflict. Ask somebody you trust, tell them to tell you the truth. I actually had a talk with uh, uh, one of the members in here. I said, do you find me in interacting with me? Generally speaking, do you find me to be humble, generally speaking? And you open yourself up and you hope there's a good re response. But, but I honestly want to know that. If I present, if my posture is not one of a being approachable and being humble and listening, then I am sinning and not doing right by you. And by the way, we have talked about it on our staff, it is our responsibility to bend over backwards to be approachable, talk toable, humble. That doesn't mean we always are. But it is our responsibility. So I'm saying officially, it, whoever is in authority, parent, boss, coworker, so forth and so on, it's our responsibility not to power up, but to bend down and open up. It's our responsibility. Anyone in leader, small group leader, whoever's leading, whatever it is, it is our responsibility, their responsibility, where Jesus said the, the uh, leaders of the Gentiles, Matthew 20, right? When, when James and John say, hey, Jesus, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. You're about to be crucified and all that, but can we sit, can one sit on the right, the other on the left? And, and he, you know, sensitive members, you know. So um, as he's talking about that, he says the Gentiles leaders lorded over them, but what does he say after that? Not so among you. You don't lord it over. This is not a hierarchy. This is not a I'm over you. This is we're all horizontal. In fact, and I'll say this too. I'm on a roll now. It's a little scary. I have been criticized fairly for not being more, what I would say, more overbearing or more positional in how I interact with members because what it does is it engenders disrespect among some members. In other words, I treat people as though we're equals and peers because we are. But some people interpret that as they know how to do my job, which they don't. But they, they believe they do, right? And so, so what happens is 
there is a level of misunderestimating what the job entails. And I'll just say this, everything is easier than it looks. Your job is, all of our jobs are. But my feeling is I would rather risk that level of disregard or disrespect for the greater gain of communicating that we are all equal and we are all equally valuable. That is more important to me. And I can handle the less than ideal responses. So having said that, one of my, my, one of my favorite life verses, Peter, right, respect the governing authorities. And then he says, show proper respect to whom? What about when somebody sins against you? Then I have the right to step out of my Christianity and go postal and then repent later. That's honestly what some believe. And I will say this, I have been, uh, I have this year actually been yelled at by one of our members. Uh, it, it's my fault they, they have a negative situation in their Christian walk that somehow became my fault, although I haven't known them all my Christian walk, so forth and so on. We all have seen, you know, we've been in the line of, you know, at, at Target when somebody goes up and so forth. And uh, I will say that that comes with the territory. There is an appropriate level of pushback. I also would rather, I try not to shut people down. I really do try not to. Sometimes you have to just for their sake. But I'm saying that sometimes we act as though our pain gives us license to behave or treat people any way we want to. And sadly, Christians aren't much different than non-Christians in that. I appreciate many of you showing grace, praying for us, exercising restraint, and forgiving dumb mistakes like emailing the whole church the email for the small group leaders meeting. Who I don't know who would do that. But this is where we should begin in dealing with anybody, and in particular, a leader. Uh, if I have a bias against authority, how many of you have a natural bias against authority? You don't like authority just in general. Okay, so be aware, thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. Just be aware of that and understand that factors in, some people feel like it's their job to take down the man. I'm standing against the man, right? But all of us are people, right? All of us are, are on the same team. Anyway, okay, so uh, we're almost done. Uh, this is what I, a practical that I wanna give you to recommend in terms of if you are a person and you have an issue with a leader, okay? Or anybody in general. Initiate, validate, and differentiate. Initiate, validate, and differentiate. What does that mean? That means if something is weird in my heart, it's my responsibility to initiate a conversation. And part of what has stuck people up with the whole Matthew 18 thing is if it's not sin, I don't know if it's exactly sin or maybe it's not a blatant transgression. So, but it was something a person said or did that hurt my feelings or hurt my faith or made me feel weird or, or gave me some weird energy that I'm not sure, should I say something 
or maybe not. I don't know if it's them or I don't know if it's me. And you got kind of get stuck in that limbo state, right? And so the deal is, if there's something that's messing with your heart, go back to Proverbs 4. If it's messing with your heart and you're not at peace, you need to communicate. Whatever it is, just like I would want any of my kids, any parents, wouldn't you want your kids, parents, to say whatever they feel rather than be silent? And so that's the way we should be. Initiate and then validate. That is, communicate, I appreciate that what you do is hard. I appreciate that you've got X number of people that are in your ear telling you what to do all the time or what's wrong, all the things that are wrong. I appreciate when you did this, whatever. So you communicate that the person's not the enemy and you're not against them, right? So initiate, validate, this is Kevin, this is not the Bible, this is practice for me, and then differentiate. What, so I initiate, I appreciate these things that you have done for me, so forth, so on. This is something you did or said that hurt my feelings, right? So you don't lie, you don't flatter, you don't um, pull punches, but you do it with respect. There's a way to do both, right? Speak the truth in love. What's the motivation for me sharing? Is it so I can feel that sense of that rush or release and putting someone in their place? If that's the motive, you shouldn't say anything. If the motive is being honest because you love God and you love that person and you know that that person can benefit or grow from or, or be enlightened to whatever it is you have to say, then do it. If the motivation is whether they hear it or not, I need to say it so my heart's clear before God, then that's a right motivation. And I would say to you that your goal in having a talk like this is not to convince the person. Like, yes, you would love for the person, like Matthew 18, you'd love to win your brother or your sister over. But I've had many conversations. I remember talking to Tori about a conversation she had with someone in her campus ministry. And I said, Tori, the goal is not to convince the person to your belief or your view. Your win is to honestly, frankly, lovingly communicate your truth so that your heart is at peace and you have done all you can do. Romans 12, 18, do as far as it is goes with you, live at peace with all men, right? So we feel like the win is unless they, unless they are convinced I failed. No, you've done all you can do. You don't, a win is not I got to convince the person to see things my way is what I'm trying to say. And I think if, if we, if we, Look at it that way, I think it'll change our calculation. Here is something that happens to us, and I won't ask for, I won't ask for a show of hands. Sometimes we will have a situation, for instance, there was, there was a message I gave, and I shared about someone, and I said that person felt to me like they were schizophrenic. I didn't mean anything by it. I had no malice, it was sort of lighthearted. And then there was a person, a, a sister that came up to me after the message said, you know, I, I appreciate, I, appreciate the message so forth and so on. I really wish you hadn't said this because for people who struggle with mental illness, people who actually may deal with serious issues like that, you making light of that would not help them but hurt them. And I appreciated that. 
I didn't mean to hurt someone's feelings, but I'm gonna let you in on a secret. A lot of times you're up saying something and you don't know what you're saying. I know that you, you that's, that's hard to believe. And you can't remember what you said, right? And so I always ask Trey, please, for the love of God, if there's spinach in my teeth or if I say something wrong, please tell me so that I can apologize and re-say it. But I appreciated that person. They, they treated me as though I'm not, I did not intentionally do something wrong. And that makes all the difference, right? When you, when you convicted the person before the trial, they're already guilty. And you come at them, you're already guilty, and I'm gonna show you how guilty you are. That doesn't help the situation. But when you communicate, this is what I felt and this is what I um, experienced, but I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt as a fellow brother or sister that you mean well. You see, you, you, you come with trust. Now, maybe your trust is not um, fulfilled, but at least you lead with trust. You don't lead with suspicion. You don't lead with, I'm, I'm gonna put you in your place. Because that's not, I mean, you reserve emotional judgment. Golden rule, right? Do unto others. How would, if someone needs to challenge you with something, how do you want them to come to you? Platinum rule, consider others better than yourselves. Here's another passage I throw in is Luke 18. Uh, past, you know, the, uh, um, oh, Fer the Pharisee and the tax collector. Right? The Pharisee, he said, Jesus says, to some who are confident in their own righteousness, have you ever known someone that is very confident in their own opinions and their own righteousness? And they look down on everybody else. The problem with that person is they're just not as smart as I am. If they were as smart as me, they would, under, they would think the way I think. If I'm coming from a place where I already consider myself superior and look down on other people, that's not good. And that happens as well. But if I come with, I, I could be wrong. I have sinned before in my life. And I'm open to someone teaching me something. That spirit makes resolving conflict a lot better. Those of you that are married, doesn't that help you? Huh? Yeah. That's a, oh yeah. A lot, and it has to do with how you approach the person. So, here's something else that I would ask uh, you to do. When you talk to someone, ask people to mirror. And we've been doing this, you know, the Imago therapy and, and marriage, marriage, making marriage simple. The idea of mirroring, and this is something, particularly if it's a tense or something that's, that's potentially challenging or difficult, where you have a person, you're talking to them, and you say, whatever you say, and then you say, can you do me a favor? Can you tell me what you heard me say? And my feeling is if they actually accurately heard what I said, that's a win. And it gives me the opportunity as if they didn't hear it right, uh, then I can um, rephrase it. I was in a very intense conversation with a particular person and I said to them, 
I believe your position. I understand these factors. I understand the truth and what you're saying, and I acknowledge that it is a reality. It is a valid experience. It is going on right now in the church. At the same time, I know of other people that are involved in, in our church that have had a completely different experience, and their reality is true too. And I said, what did you hear me say? And basically he said, I heard you say that my perspective is invalid. I said, okay, let's rewind. I appreciate you being honest and saying that's what you heard, but, I, but that is not what I said. So let's rewind. And we, we left the conversation in a good place, but it was like, it was such a great aha moment. It is true that what I hear is not in every instance exactly what someone said. And if I have a spirit of humility and being open to that, it helps with those situations. Make sense? Yeah, okay. So I've got one takeaway. It's really secret. It's really complicated. Speak the truth in love. When all else fails, speak the truth in love. And if I can't muster up love for the person or for God, perhaps I shouldn't speak my truth. How else would you interpret that? You know, when you don't tell someone the truth, it is unloving. It really is. A couple of quick points. When you have wounds and triggers, when someone says something that hits one of your wounds or your triggers, even though it's not a quote unquote clear red letter sin, you should still communicate it because it's affecting your heart. Uh, Tracy Terrace had the idea of having designated Matthew 18, I don't know, uh, facilitators, thank you, great work, thank you, Derek. Having designated Matthew 18 facilitators that are known in the church like the deacons were in Acts chapter 6, people to be full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, and so forth, so that uh, she shared that so many people doing Matthew 18 with anyone because they're timid, they've been wounded, it's so hard. It's Herculean to ask them, and yet alone, let alone a leader. But we've said, hey, and I'm saying this to you, if, if I did something to hurt your feelings, said something wrong, feel free to bring someone else with you that you feel like will provide protection and safety so that you can, if the only way you can talk to me is doing that, please feel free to do that. So we're saying we're wide open to that. And that's one of the proposals we're considering now is to have those people uh, available for the more timid among us who, or, or maybe those that have been in abusive situations and so forth, just to make every effort to make it uh, available. Um, sometimes we, we try one time, Matthew 18, we try one time, it doesn't go well. But then we feel okay to maybe say something else about it to somebody else. And then a community or a few people can start having the same vibe against somebody. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. But it's important, if it doesn't go well, that's why step two is there. 
find somebody, bring them with you, whoever it is, so that, so that we can follow. And then chapter step three, what does that look like when we get to it? Uh, sometimes you, you, you t if, if you take some to somebody they don't feel it, and then you take two or three people and they still are pushing back, then maybe it's a small group or maybe it's a midweek or whatever. But, but we're trying to say there, there really is a safe place here. You can communicate with people. Um, just because if, if you say something to me and I reply in a way that you don't like, that doesn't mean that I'm not listening. I could say, I love you, I appreciate you, I hear you saying A, B, C, and D. I don't agree with that. I believe, you know, E, F, and G. I can do that, and you can do that with me. That doesn't mean I didn't listen. I, agreement doesn't mean listening. However, if you will communicate what you did hear in a conversation with people, it'll go a long way with them um, and, and also in, in your situation. Um, if uh, someone, you know, I'm, I'll leave that alone. I'll leave that alone. I don't know if we can handle that one. I'm going to leave it alone. Okay. <laughs> If I am talking with multiple people about somebody else, and I'm not talking to them, if there are other people that their view of someone else as being a leader or a member is being altered by communication, I talked to a, a person who was a part of a, a small group and they were, they were just saying, I, I learned X, these things about people that weren't in the group about issues that they had with other people. That should never happen. That's a signal something's going wrong. I've heard if, if the person is not part of the problem or the solution, they should not be aware of what's going on. Something that is not helpful is to say, I have a problem with the leadership or I have issues with the leadership, or the church, or the culture, because the leadership can't repent, the church can't repent, the culture can't unculture. Kevin, you know, Edgar, uh, Anthony can, but the leadership can't. But there, sometimes the leadership is a boogeyman. It's this, it's this amorphous enemy of the people when in fact it's just broken people trying to lead broken people. So those terms are not super duper helpful. Um, at the end of it, please hear this, please hear this. I was in a meeting two months ago, was it Trey, a month ago? I can't remember. And there were about 30-some people in it. So great talk, talking about different experiences they had in the church that were not ideal. And I promise you, we did the best, I did the best to listen, to apologize, to hear, to feel, and I did. And I'm proud of that. Not because I'm, you know, I'm proud of issues. Hey, you know, we got issues. How many of us come from a functional family? We got one guy, we got Brent. All right, so. 
We got Brent and Justin. Okay, that's good. All right. So we got two people that come from a functional family. Somebody else back there. Three. Doesn't it stand to reason that we're going to bring some dysfunction up in here, right, if that's where we come from? So we need to be gracious with each other. And at the end of it, I'm saying to you, many of us have given the best years of our lives to try to help, to be used by God to help. We want to be helpful. We want something for you, not from you. We really do, even if we mess up. So the door is open. Please email me. That's <laughs> so funny. I couldn't believe I sent that email last night. I was just like, oh, oh, because uh, I know how we feel about email. Some of us don't even, I know, but then it doesn't matter. Some of you, because you don't read the emails anyway. So, uh, but, uh, but, 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 please email me. I would love to hear specific. What do you do in this case, okay? We could even get a form or Facebook group. So what do I do in this case so that nobody feels stuck with a situation they can't revolve, resolve, revolve, resolve, okay? So thank you for being patient. Uh, I think this is gonna put a bow on our Resolve to Resolve series. I think it's been really helpful. I hope it's been helpful. But it won't end us needing to do this. And our church rises and falls based on how well we resolve conflict with each other. Really is true. Let's pray. God, I pray that any heart that's heavy, burdened, discouraged, shut down, um, debilitated because of a leader or member that they're dealing with, that you would give that person the courage to know that your spirit lives in them and you're with them and that they would talk to the right people and that we wouldn't have any, any unaddressed issues, any unspoken qualms. We get whatever is beneath the surface above the surface so that we can defeat the enemy and uh, do everything we can to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Thank you for all the miracles you're doing among us. And I pray, God, that we'll be a little bit more, take a step closer toward being the church you want us to be and the Jesus followers you want us to be. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Continue with your normal activities. Live long and serve the Lord.